0: This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode number 205. Hey guys, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 205 of the show. I am your host, Bruce Irving, here with you for another great episode of the podcast with Jeffrey Goodman from Pitfire Pizza. We're going to get into a lot of interesting stuff. On this podcast episode with Jeffrey, who is the CEO over at Pitfire, a Pitfire pizzeria out of California. We're going to talk about how they find people, how they do marketing, which is a pretty unique way. They don't do a lot of uh, marketing that we talk about here on the show. They do a lot of -of word-of-mouth marketing and community-based marketing, which is pretty cool. We also get into how they use third-party delivery options, such as DoorDash or Uber Eats or even Amazon, and how they incorporate that into their business. I think you're going to uh, find this episode... Very, very interesting, and they have eight locations over in, in California, so they're a pretty fast-growing operation. I've actually visited one of them on my recent trip to Los Angeles. I actually stopped in and had a pizza there. Pizza was pretty good. Atmosphere was great. They have a cool, hip vibe going on, California vibe if you're from the Northeast like I am, so that was interesting, but I actually enjoyed my experience. The pizza was good, and I wanted to have one of the guys over there join me on the podcast to kind of talk about how they're growing their business and uh, what they see coming in the future because the times, they are changing. Uh, even things that we've talked about on the podcast a few months back are starting to change. Facebook video, Facebook advertising, Instagram, all of that continues to change and get updated almost on a monthly basis. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're lucky because we're going to keep talking about those things and how they change and evolve and talk about what you can currently do to grow your business. That's what we do here on this podcast. And that's what we do with everything that we produce over at smartpizzamarketing.com. So if you haven't yet, go over to smartpizzamarketing.com, subscribe. Uh, give us a friend request on fit, Not friend request. What the heck am I talking about? Go follow us on Facebook. Go follow us on Instagram. On all those platforms, we are at Smart Pizza Marketing and on Twitter. If you want to say hello on Twitter, I am at Irving Media. Before we get into today's episode, I have to say thank you to our sponsor for this show, Forza Forni. Forza Forni represents the most respected Italian wood fired cooking companies in North America as the exclusive distributor for storied brands such as Pavesi and Acunto. Forza stocks, builds, and services product lines with a combined existence of over 250 years of company product development. The Forza team is committed to delivering quality products and exceptional after-sales care. Each product has been carefully chosen and tested to prove its value and effectiveness in the most demanding of commercial kitchens. When a Forza product is purchased, attention to detail and excellent service are our promise, long past the purchase date. If you want some more information on what they do and how they can help you in your business, if you're looking for an oven or an Italian mixer, head over to ForzaForney.com, And you can also head over to our website, SmartPizzaMarketing.com. There'll be a link right there to go check them out. Thank you to Forza for supporting the podcast. And guys, please support the people who support the show and go check them out. Alrighty, Thank you so much to Forza 40. Go check them out, guys. Link in the bio, uh, link in our show notes for this episode. We'll link to their website. You can go check out all the good stuff that they have over there. Thank you to them for supporting the show. All right. If you're looking for some information on what we do at our agency for pizzerias that we work with, you can go over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. But that's going to be it for me. Let's get into today's episode with Jeffrey Goodman from Pitfire Pizza. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I am excited for my guest today. He is the CEO of Pitfire Pizza. His name is Jeffrey Goodman, and we're going to talk all about pizza, marketing, business, all of that good stuff. This is a great company doing some great things out in the Los Angeles area. I'm excited to have them on the show. So, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm excited to have you.
1: Great to be here. Thank you.
0: So, Jeff, give us a little background of – I know you're – the CEO of Pitfire, but give us a little background of how the company was started and the idea behind Pitfire.
1: Pitfire Pizza, uh, we we joke around, we we call ourselves a, a startup that's uh, 20 years old. We um, <laughs> our founder Paul Hibler was in a in a prior career a, um, a fairly significant um, movie set caterer, one of his. Um, last movies that he catered was uh titanic down in uh down in mexico really but he um he and uh he and his partner david sanfield you know were um food guys and cooks from way back who built a business and one of their um one of the things they were known for on set was doing um grilled pizzas like al porno in uh in rhode island uh, had the idea in the late 90s to transition out of the movie catering business and into brick and mortar restaurant business in 1998. Um, opened the first Pitfire Pizza in North Hollywood, California. And for the first couple of months, that business was a uh, grilled pizza business. But uh, over time, they found the grilling um, to be hard to manage. You know, as you know, it's, it's dirty in the restaurants and and uh, transitioned to a wood-fired oven. Um, we've been working with Munini for, for a very long time, including the oven in that original restaurant. You know, the rest is kind of history. We've built eight pizza restaurants uh, since that time. Um all over Los Angeles, and we have one restaurant in Orange County, California for the last couple of years we've been getting ourselves poised grow again
0: Was, is the name pitfire from the original concept of it being over a grill
1: yeah got it so, so it's a great name and, yeah and we think it's still uh it's still apropos of what we do so
0: it's unique it's it's memorable for sure so when did you come aboard the company, and how long has it been since have been with
1: the, I've been with the company for two and a half years. Before that, I was, I was working on the East Coast for um, Stephen Starr and Starr Restaurant Organization. I ran that company for a couple of years, and prior to that, worked here in California as the Chief Operating Officer of King Seafood Company. Where are you originally from? So I've been, I grew up in New Jersey. Ah, okay. Got it.
0: So, so you, so you're, uh, did you growing up in New Jersey, did you have a particular style of pizza that you enjoyed the most?
1: You know, I, I grew up in Central Jersey, so there wasn't there wasn't really tomato pie. It was like New York style pizza, thin crust. But yeah, we, um, I still think about um, Vinny's and the Brunswick Grove and the. Piece of joints, and they were joints that you know that I grew up eating at.
0: It's so funny, it's almost like those styles of places are coming back. It's almost like they were popular in the 80s and 90s, and now they're coming back to being popular. It's probably because guys like us who grew up with that are starting to get into that now, and that's what we want to recreate.
1: Yeah, we um, uh, believe it or not, we didn't have just a straight up cheap pizza on our menu for a very long time, and about two years ago, um, we added that and styled it very much after just like a New York City slice joint pie.
0: That's interesting. Why was there no cheese pizza? Was it just, you know, you wanted
1: to... There build- was, for for quite a while, um, Pitfire on the menu had a section called Be an Artist, which was like build, a build-your-own-pizza section. The truth is that a number of those pizzas were meant to be cheese pizzas, and they were crafted by people who maybe didn't have the, uh, the knowledge or the expertise of what cheese is and what sauce to use. And uh, we found that often our guests would build their own cheese pizza that they ultimately didn't really like. So we, um, we, we took over and uh, kind of stepped in. And, you know, we still obviously have the build-your-own um, part of our menu, but it's based off of that – we call it the say cheese. It's based off of that cheese pizza rather than starting from um, – from
0: Those non-pizza folks, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> so, I love the concept of it. Now, tell me a little bit, like, how long was it before, so you have eight locations now, is that correct? Is that what I heard you say? We
1: have we have, we have seven locations, and we we, um, we reconcepted one of our pit fires into a restaurant called Jesso, which is um, still very, very pizza-focused, um, but it's... A little more upscale, a little higher, a little higher uh, ticket price, and a, a bigger um, bar component. We, we do almost fifty percent of our um, business in in beer wine and spirits in that restaurant. And do you have beer wine in all of the restaurants? We have beer and wine in five of the seven, and we have, uh, excuse me, in four of the seven, and uh, full bars in the other three. Um, our restaurant in Costa Mesa uh, was uh, uh, built um, from uh, an old Marie Calendar. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the concept, but it was like a diner concept that sold a lot of pie. Yep. And the it's a it's a fairly large restaurant. The back, like 800 to 900 square feet of the restaurant once was the Marie Calendar's pie room, and we turned that into a, like a secret bar, a speakeasy-ish ah, thing. Is that um, what I saw on your website? We, the
0: speakeasy that I saw
1: on your yeah. Website? that's We call it pie society and that's kind of a hat tip to the pie room from um, Marie Callender's day. Uh,
0: Is there a secret code to get in? (laughs) No, (laughs) no,
1: there's, um, but the, the there's two entrances. One is, um, is like a sliding wall that contains shelves of, you know, uh, canned tomatoes and flour. Um, and then there's a more secret back door, um, with a very, very small logo on it. Ah. But in, uh, in Costa Mesa and Orange County, somehow um, people have, you know, have figured it out, and it's actually really uh, quite a busy, busy spot. You know, the pit fire itself. We're usually slowing down around ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night, but Pi Society is just getting going at that time.
0: That's interesting because it's like almost like you have to you have to know about it in order to be able to get in there, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's the idea. It's it's pretty well known in the neighborhood now. We've been down there for. For six, seven years, but, um, but initially it was, it was a well-kept secret. Now it's um, the most widely known secret in the neighborhood, I think. <laughs> so
0: now you're in California, which is not an easy place to do business when you have a lot of employees or it's a little bit more challenging than maybe some people in the Midwest or in the South. And I'm in Boston, so it's kind of the same thing here. What's the, what do you think the biggest challenge is for running a restaurant or a pizzeria for you in California?
1: And you know with star i was I was opening and running restaurants in New York City and Philadelphia and d c and miami. and I think um I think we're all facing similar challenges, obviously rising rents, uh, rising input costs, but but most importantly, uh, you know, labor and staffing challenges. And we are, you know we are truly a craft pizzeria. There are Titeolo, who are tending a wood fire and hand-stretching dough. You know, our kitchens, although we have, you know, eight restaurants and some good systems and process in place, our kitchens are really finesse kitchens. So we need, uh, we need qualified, you know, qualified cooks. You know, I can speak to similar situations in D.C. and Miami and New York, attracting and retaining um, talent continues to become more and more challenging and especially you know in a pit fire and I would I would I would include you know front of house and service in this like we' we're, we're trying to create an experience and pitfire is really experiential it's not we're fast casual but we have um, servers on the floor who are maintaining tables and offering second drinks and um, selling desserts you know we have um a host in our busy restaurants and multiple cashiers who are not only managing guests in front of them but um guests on the phone and third-party online tablets we're you know we're fairly we have high expectations around ability um and uh, you know a high desire to to retain um our highly trained team so that poses a challenge on a day-to-day basis for the operator.
0: Yeah, that's the number one question that I get asked on a daily basis almost. Is, and I think that it's around the country, regardless of what region you're in, is is exactly what you said, attracting. First off, you have to attract the people that want to get them to want to work there, and then you have to hel- help them realize that it's a great place to work and that it could be a career for them, not just a part-time or a temporary job.
1: Agreed. So you know i was i was I was browsing your website and saw that several of the um several of the podcasts that you've done in in um you know in the in the recent past revolve around um culture and company culture you know pitfire we're um we try to maintain um individuality and and be a little different as an employer um We have uh, on Fridays, we have freestyle Fridays where people don't have to wear their uniform. They can come in sort of in their own style. In the past, we've had um, contests around customizing your uniform where we try to be incredibly flexible and um, empathetic with scheduling. Um, We provide a complimentary meal to every one of our employees every day. We have paid vacation. The list goes on. We, We really... We spend an equal amount of time thinking about how we do things in our culture, as we do about menu and recipe and and you know restaurant level finance.
0: And I think that used to be kind of like the secondary or third thing that you would think about when you ran a pizzeria or a restaurant. Now it's got to be number one. All of the things you just mentioned.
1: It is. It's incredibly competitive, um, and I don't. I don't think that. Nor do I want it. But I don't. I don't think that our like little slice of the restaurant world is that prone to automation? You know, certainly there are those who are experimenting with kiosk ordering, but um, I haven't seen a machine stretch a pizza really well yet.
0: And even if you have, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that it may be something to eat, but it's not going to be the experience that you want.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and and you know that's where I started. But we put a lot um, we put a lot of thought into art in the restaurants and music in the restaurants and our design. You know, we design restaurants that are unique to um, their location. So I think you said you went to the Mar Vista Venice restaurant, which has a, a very kind of um, artistic and funky Venice vibe to it. And that restaurant actually was James Beard nominated for a restaurant design, won an AIA award. If you were to go into our Manhattan Beach restaurant, which has like a much more beachy and surfer vibe, and we have murals done by a skateboarder inside and outside the restaurant, like, you know, we, um, we want, we want, we want the experience to feel, you know, feel special and feel like something other than fast casual fuel.
0: So you try to go into a neighborhood and say, how can we make this restaurant fit into the neighborhood rather than the neighborhood fit into the restaurant, I guess? Is that right? Yeah,
1: our our mission, revol- our mission revolves around food, art, and community that we want. Um, our most successful restaurants are not in major developments. They're in standalone spots in communities that at one time were um, underserved.
0: Interesting. And are they concepts that you've built from the ground up or taken over spaces and kind of fitted into the space?
1: Hmm, that's a great question. I, you know, I think the majority of the restaurants that we've um, built are um, second generation. We are in a couple of developments where we were we were first. I told you about um, Costa Mesa yeah. um, and the restaurant that you went to in, in Mar Vista in Venice was uh, Shakey's, and uh-huh. we actually... We love that it was a Shakey's because we kind of see ourselves as the new, the newer um, version of that, that we're, you know, we're the local pizzeria and we're the place that families go and kids go to celebrate birthdays and after sporting events. And um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool that.
0: Now, do you, so is it a, deli- you don't do delivery, do you?
1: Yes, we
0: do. Oh, you do delivery. Is it in house delivery or do you use like Grubhub or Uber Eats or those third parties?
1: Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> we we um we have um we have like a third party of in-house deliverers. So we'll take um delivery over the phone, delivery orders over the phone or through our website, and that's Chow Now enable. Yep. And then we also work with a select group of third party online platforms have a strong partnership with Amazon and with DoorDash. Interesting. So we have in in our restaurants a couple of delivery people, employees, and stations, um, and then also um, a number of third-party third, third party drivers coming and going.
0: Now, I, I've heard a lot about Uber Eats and E24 and Grubhub, but I haven't heard a tremendous amount about Amazon. Can you explain how that partnership works? Not necessarily like the – You know,
1: Amazon – it, it's, um, it's through Amazon Prime. Um, they have, my perception is that they are dabbling and um, trying to decide whether or not that's business they want to um, tackle. Yep. So it, it started as a singular partnership with one restaurant and has grown to uh, five of our restaurants, but I don't, it isn't, um, it isn't sort of the major driver of our, third-party partnerships, DoorDash is much more significant.
0: And what do you think of DoorDash? What's your, like, how does it, is it work good for you guys? Did you get a lot of exposure
1: to that? it has, um, it has worked very well for us. Um, We definitely see it as additive to our business. They have been good partners and we meet on a semi-regular basis to, you know, keep ourselves in alignment. We're really about, hospitality and service and quality, and um, initially with um, all of the third-party platforms, we found it difficult when a mistake was made to connect meaningfully with that guest and recover the mistake, hopefully in real time, and through like a series of efforts and initiatives with Zordash, we have um, really turned the corner there. I definitely believe that they have brought us new guests and made it convenient for some of our um existing guests, so we we are we are pro um online platform,
0: yeah, I think that was a, uh, something a concern that a lot of people had was how do you how does the third party represent your business the way you want it to be represented and then how do you get notified if there is something going on immediately and rectify that not just get notified about it through a customer complaint but actually fix the problem
1: yeah, I think that's an app's consideration and For us, we've been fortunate. We were, uh, this predates me, but we were a very early adopter of of DoorDash. We were one of their first uh, restaurant clients. So we've been able to build and maintain a really mutually beneficial relationship with them. And there's been a great dialogue that's allowed us to to have impact on, on that consideration. But it's still... It concerns me, you know. Occasionally, there'll be uh, an online review, a Yelp that references the delivery part of the experience, and it's hard to not feel completely in control of that.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean because you, because you can't. You're not you're not completely in control, right?
1: Which is hard because I like to be in control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, what what part of your like, what percentage of your business is delivery versus dine-in takeout?
1: It it um it's somewhere in the twenty five to thirty percent range. Okay. Um it has shifted uh, incrementally over the last couple of years from phone in and pitfire web based to third party. But our online or excuse me, our delivery percentage continues to be around that thirty percent.
0: Yeah. So do you see a shift in even takeout orders that people come actually into the restaurant to take out? Shift more towards online ordering rather than phone in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, and
0: which, which I hold, as a consumer. We've
1: seen, we've seen a little bit of cannibalization yeah. of uh, pickup moving to third party as third party continues to get less expensive and more convenient and more adopted.
0: Yeah. Do you? What are you? What are you? Are you? Are you concerned about that?
1: I, you know, it's it's present for me, and I. Um, We continue to do analysis around it. Um, I wouldn't want to say concern, and I continue to uh, maintain that um, all of this evolution is good for our business.
0: Do you think that – you see, we we have that issue, too, with a lot of people that we talk to, is that they're afraid of using those third-party sites because – then they don't really have control over their online ordering. We try to say, Hey, listen, maybe try to get them to order from you directly next time. If they found you through those third parties.
1: I think, I think you have to look at the, at, at Amazon and, you know, as, as that business owner and say, it's a force that's beyond their control and that they need to continue to create opportunities to leverage that power. Cause that's how Guests want to – that's how they want to eat and that's how they want to order. To not acknowledge that and to not figure out ways to leverage it and to not figure out ways to make sure that your food is great in the delivery experience and that um, you're influencing the service and you're thoughtful about your to-go packaging, um, I think is really setting you up for a, a big long-term fail.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, like
1: it, those – It's here and and there's, there's – um, it's here and the right thing to do is to step into it and embrace it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like those restaurant owners that hate Yelp, and because they hate Yelp so much, they don't respond to reviews that are good or bad on Yelp. And it's like, you know what? You may hate Yelp, but the consumers are using it, so maybe it's time to fo- not focus on it and uh, you know spend money on advertising on it, but at least watch it because the consumers tell you what it. they want to use.
1: I love it. I have I have trained myself and our organization to take every piece of feedback as as 100% truthful and to respond to it um, accordingly. So we any Yelp score um, that's three stars or below, we connect with the guests and sincerely try to um, recover that situation, invite the guests back into the restaurant, try to turn the experience around, and that we also use that as um as like a free shopping service. You know, I get fifty to a hundred experiences uh, you know, every two weeks of guests who have dined in my restaurants who are telling us what they loved and what they didn't love. And um yeah, I find it incredibly useful. When I when I when I came on board two and a half years ago, part of my discovery and part of um and part of um what informed the decisions we made um, to adjust the um, concept were based on Yelp feedback.
0: Because that's the customer's feedback, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know I get it. it's sometimes hard to hear because it's it's um it can be raw, but um, <laughs> but you know, I, I gotta believe that most people are um, sincerely. Um, concerned or trying to be helpful if they'll take the time out of their busy day to um, write a couple of paragraphs about their Pitfire experience.
0: And I know it's frustrating, but 10, 15 years ago, those customers would just never come back and you'd never know. Yep. Yep. Agreed. And you just lose business and over time your business would suffer and then eventually you'd go out of business. Yep. So let's transition into a little bit of marketing because I, I think you guys have a unique channel. And how, what's the most effective marketing tool that you're using for Pitfire at the moment?
1: word of mouth. Is it really? We, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. I, I knew we would talk a lot about marketing <laughs> and we have a, we have kind of a Neanderthal approach to it all. You know, number one, it starts with the menu and the product. Um, some great restaurateurs have um, told me, you know, it's all about the food dummy. And, um, and we, you know, we invest a lot of our energy and a lot of our efforts in, in that, in the menu and in maintaining seasonality, we, we change um, six to eight dishes um, every season and maintain, you saw it on the menu, maintain like a handwritten section on the menu that meant, that's meant to connect the guests to that fact. When we were, you know, I alluded to like when I started and was looking at what, um, what uh, our guests were saying there was um, quite a bit of talk around the size of our pizza and the value, and um, we spent uh, quite a bit of energy, like expanding our, our pizza program and also enlarging our pizzas. So we had to redo all of our recipes and all of our ratios and ratios, and re- retrain um, you know 300 people. Um, we expanded our pizzas from uh, 10 inches and four slices to 11 inches and six slices. It's like a 22% increase in size. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that without increasing the price dramatically. So really, you know, a lot of our energy revolves around making sure the food is great, that we're using great seasonal ingredients, and that we're responding to trends and guest desires. Then, in you know, our Neanderthal approach, we focus on execution and consistency and training um, and making sure that, um, that the guest experience follows Our steps of service and our culture and how we want things done, Um, and that has really proven to be a great strategy for us. Our um, our comp sales have been in a positive place for twenty four months straight. So I feel like we're doing something right. Now what?
0: Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Then we start layering in some um, some true. Marketing, uh, energy. We, we do kids' pizza making parties, which are, you know, really community oriented and fun. Um, we do lots and lots of, uh, fundraisers, um, in the restaurant, particularly through schools and local organizations and sports teams. We do a few music, um, events in our restaurants. We'll have DJ nights. We'll have live music, um, on occasion. Uh, and then from time to time, we'll do um, more kind of promotional um, events. We do an annual pie day event, as do a lot of areas. We um A contest that we've run for three years where the person who recites um, the number pie to the, um, the furthest decimal point wins pizza for a year. We had a kid in Pasadena who recited pie to over 400 digits this year. <laughs> wow. um, our, our manager had to get online and actually pull up. We provide them with like a 200 digit um, cheat sheet and our manager actually had to go online and follow along <laughs> online as this young uh, gentleman recited pie.
0: My daughter would love um, that one.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. We, um, with the World Cup, we opened our restaurants early. We had um, like a breakfast-oriented menu. We did three breakfast pizzas because, you know, the World Cup played pretty early on the West Coast. Um, on Valentine's Day, one year we did a an adult um, pizza-making party. Um, another year we did like a pizza-oriented dance party for adults. So we... Um, we do, uh, we do market, but, um, you know, as you can tell, like the majority of our energy revolves around, um, getting the food and getting the service and getting the atmosphere and environment right. Which is where, and then, of course, I, you know, let me we're, just... ma- we're managing our, we're managing our online presence and managing our, um, our social channels. Um, we have a nice little Instagram following and we're, we're posting on a regular basis and engaging with guests when they comment and when they reach out to us and managing our web and, and like I said, managing guest interaction and engagement through Yelp and through Google reviews and um, and other sites.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're doing what we tell people to do. I mean, we do tell people to, you know, spend, if you're going to spend a little bit of money, Facebook is a good spot and Instagram nowadays, but you have to first have every your house in order. You have to make sure your product is good and your service is good because those other platforms just get exposure to what you're doing. Agreed. So if you're a hot mess, those platforms <laughs> are just... You don't a, want to
1: bring new guests into experience <laughs> that
0: mess. Right. You want to make sure your service is good <laughs> and your product is good. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. And then those Yelp reviews are going to be really hard to manage. (laughs) Um, So what's the future hold for Pitfire? It sounds like you guys have a great concept going on. You're growing. You said you're growing year over year. What does the future hold? Where where do you think our industry is headed, and what direction are you guys headed in?
1: Our future um, really revolves around, first, doing a major um, renovation and conceptual evolution of our original restaurant in North Hollywood. And then um, starting to grow the brand. like I said, the North Hollywood restaurant uh, is our is our first restaurant and it's over 20 years old. It sits on a, a five thousand square foot uh, patio slash park. So we're gonna um, really um, double down on that restaurant, put a bunch of uh, money and energy into expanding our um, presence and turning the patio into more of a beer garden um, while maintaining, you know, the great um, the great pit fire menu. Um, and we see this as being really an important part of uh, the next five years. And the lessons that we learn in doing that um, reconceptualization will inform how we start to grow. And our goal for For 2019 is to open two new pit fires and then hopefully in 2020 to open four to five new restaurants
0: all in California
1: you know there's so much of Southern California that we haven't touched there's a lot of opportunity in Los Angeles we only have one restaurant in Orange County right now and we have a fondness and a belief that San Diego is underserved so we're gonna focus on keeping our footprint pretty tight Um, and manageable for those next couple years. But we see ourselves ultimately as a regional player and would love to be in um, Arizona and Nevada and Colorado and then possibly the Northwest.
0: Boston, maybe?
1: You know, uh, I would would, uh, consider (laughs) it a a great success if we are bold enough to take pizza to the Northeast, you know, the – to the great pizza uh, cities of the Northeast, and I think Boston and New York and maybe Philly um, would really be super, super aspirational for us.
0: Well, you're in for your website, but not out of the question. <laughs> Good. Well, maybe th- maybe in a few years we'll talk again when you come to Boston. We'll do this in person.
1: I'd love to. I'd
0: love to. Uh, Your website is pitfirepizza.com. You can find you also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pitfirepizza. And on Instagram, you are pitfirepizza as well. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was great talking to you, and I look forward to visiting one of your locations the next time I'm in Los Angeles.
1: We'd love to have you come in often, please.
0: Is there anything you'd like to share or anything that I missed before we wrap up the show?
1: No, that was great. I really appreciate it. I love what you do, and thanks for having us on.
0: All right, well, thank you so much to Jeffrey for joining us on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. Go follow them on Instagram or on Facebook and just let them know that you heard them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast and you're looking to check them out. If you're driving or at the gym or you're running or working in the kitchen and you didn't have any time to take some notes for this episode of the show, don't worry. We took all the show notes for you. You can head over to smartpizzamarketing.com, type in Jeffrey in the search bar, or this is episode number 205 of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, we love to hear the feedback from you, whether that's a direct message on Instagram. I got a few from the last episode we did. I said, hey, shoot me a direct message. Let me know what you think of the show. we got a bunch of direct messages over on Instagram, Uh, whether you want to message us on Facebook, or you can shoot me an email. My personal email is bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. I'd love to hear from you guys about what you think of the podcast that we're doing. If there's a certain topic or a guest that you'd love to hear from. Uh, we can probably make that happen for you. So shoot us an email, Bruce, or shoot me an email, bruce at com, and let me know who you want to hear from or what you want to hear about, and we'll try to make that happen. And if you need some help in your marketing, there's two services that we provide to help you figure out what's working today and grow your business. One is our mastermind group, where you can be more hands-on, ask us questions live. We get access to our private Facebook page and our f- private website that we have all of our tutorials and archived interviews and archived phone call conversations that we've had with other mastermind group members and kind of figure out what's working today. You can do that at smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind. But if you need some help and you have a a business that's growing and you just don't have the time to do it, we can help you do it for you. smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. Let us know where your business is located and tell us a little bit about your business and we can see if we can help you grow that using the things that we're doing over here that we're gonna start showing you behind the scenes of over on our YouTube channel. So smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip, put your information in there, and tell us a little bit about your business and what you're trying to do. And uh, like I just hinted at, our YouTube channel is something that we're gonna start focusing on a lot. Uh, Our live show that we used to do on Facebook, we're gonna start transitioning over to YouTube, and then we're also gonna show you a little bit of behind the scenes of what we do here for our clients and for ourselves, marketing-wise, And video production-wise, we're going to start producing some videos for you and distributing those over on YouTube. So if you haven't yet, go over and hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. And all that's linked up in the show notes for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me. And otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. See ya.